Welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. Here's your host, my dad. Welcome back to the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Alex Glenn, and today I have a beast of an episode for everyone. If you are a B2B organization in a growth phase, if you are dealing with sales and marketing alignment issues, If you are curious when and how to implement partnership strategies or are unsure if an account-based sales strategy is right for your business, then this episode is for you. I reached out to Mr. Lee Gladish, the co-founder of Reply.io and all-around SaaS sales leader, to give this episode the expertise it deserves. The theme of today is scaling a B2B sales and marketing system. Lee and Reply.io started a few years ago with $0 in funding, a small team, and an okay product. After initial groundwork and a few hires, they raised a seed round of $400,000 and went to work on the product and sales process. Today, they are highly profitable with 60 team members fully distributed and a kick-ass sales system. In this hour-long episode, Lee and I discuss replies, scaling stages, and the key inflection points at each, account-based selling, what it is, how you determine if it's right for your business, and what you need in terms of technology or personnel to enable an ABS model to work. We then spend 20 minutes detailing partnerships program strategy. Highly recommend listening to that segment, if nothing else. And finally, Lee gives us his view on the MarTech ecosystem and outlook on the future. Without wasting any more time selling you on this episode, here's Lee and I to discuss what it takes to scale a SaaS platform, not to be confused with app. The marketing automation discussion. Alex, thanks for having me today. Really excited to be here. Lee, you are the co-founder of Reply.io. Let's talk real quickly about what Reply is for those listening who have never used it. You know, Reply is a sales acceleration platform. We enable sales teams to effectively manage their day through various activities, and this is all done via automation. So our sales acceleration features include email automation, your phone calls, your tasks, validating those emails. We have account-based selling or account-based marketing features. We partner with data companies also to help you find those ideal leads and customer profiles. And of course, we have great integrations with CRM companies. So in short, you know, Reply is an all-around communication platform, all-around automation of your daily activities. And we surround you with, you know, the activities that you're constantly doing, you know, throughout your day. And that's those emails, phone calls, tasks and data. This is wonderful. So I'll just give the crunch base version. Reply was founded in uh, August, 2014. According to everything that I found, you've been able to scale profitability very quickly, had a small seed round and actually named one of G2 Crowd's top sales products for 2019. So congratulations. Lee, let's start out with Reply's evolution. Uh, The first question is how you got started and what changed significantly in the past few years? Thanks, Alex. Uh, so we, we, you're, you're correct. We, we started, uh, 2014. That was really just the idea of, of, of the product. Uh, my co-founder Oleg had, had the product uh, idea because he was, he was a programmer by trade and he actually wanted to work in sales and he wasn't so successful at it. But one of the things he found was that there was a lot of tasks that were just not automated. So that's kind of where the idea came from 2014. And then really in the middle of 2015 is when the product launched in beta at that time. 
there was really just three of us at the company, um, uh, marketing, uh, Oleg kind of really, you know, building the product and, and kind of myself, you know, during that time, there was a lot of testing. And by the end of 2015, we got to a point where we had a small amount of revenue, but a, a enough revenue where we know we can start kind of growing this. And by the middle of 2016, at that time, we went from literally zero in, in MMR and revenue to about 50, 60,000 in, in monthly reoccurring revenue. So we were profitable right off the bat. But what led to that wasn't because we knew how to sell better than anybody. It wasn't because our product was better than anything. There was a lot of things that we did before we even started the product. And that's what I really want to talk about right now is, you know, what do you do when your product is, you're building it, you launch it, how do you attract people? How do you get those eyeballs to your site? How do you convert? So we started with content right from day one. We started writing content as early as we could because we know that we want to attract those visitors to our site and at least get into the eyeballs of people who were looking at you know, a product around reply, around sales acceleration. And then we did a lot of things that were free, things that just took a little bit of our time that gave us the maximum amount of revenue and return that we can possibly get. So content was one because we wrote all our own content. We spent a lot of time on Quora, going through a lot of posts because there's a lot of great conversations happening on Quora. So we made sure that we posted and answered and replied as many times as we could on Quora. And that, that generates some really good traffic for us. We would go to every single directory listing site that we can find that had here are the top 100 sales products or here's just sales products in general. And we listed on those products and you know, we copied and pasted the, the profiles over and over again. And we did that about a hundred and some odd times. So if you're a startup and you need a list of all the directory listings, I'll give them to you. So, cause we have the list of all of them. So I'm gonna save you a lot of effort and time that the work for us, we'll, we'll give that to you. We did the most common things that you would think of. You know, we did beta list, uh, we did product hunt and that, that drove some nice traffic and a lot of peak traffic for a very short time. One of the things that actually worked really well for us besides the core and the content creation was we emailed every single incubator, every VC firm, and offered their portfolio companies you know, a discount on reply. And that got us some really good traction as well. So all those things combined was starting to drive hundreds of leads to the site a month. And it, more importantly, it started getting people talking about our product, which was really cool. So that's kind of how we kind of got started in the first year and how we, you know, drove some pretty decent revenue. And that also led us to raising 400K um, in early 2016, which uh, kind of helped us hire the next 10 to 15 people. Okay. So I want to ask a couple questions regarding incubator cold outreach and uh, the, the VC cold outreach strategies. Was that twofold to both offer the discount, get those early great users in and also to raise the funding or was that strictly just, Hey, come check out the platform and, and, and jump in? Yeah, the funding was separate. Um, the funding, we, we had some interested parties very early on because they used our product. Um, the focus of emailing the incubators and the VC firms was we knew that there's companies just like ours, just with a little bit of revenue that would have a huge benefit from using a product like ours because we scaled our product and our sales by using our own product. You know, we, we emailed people, we emailed companies, we, we, you know, we, we got our prospect list together and we emailed companies and that's what we did. That's, that's what most every company does. And we knew that these firms would have companies that looked and acted just like us. So the value and the benefit was there. And, you know, we closed a lot of those deals. And it, it, it's interesting because, you know, we even, you know, we even emailed like Y Combinator and 500 startups and a lot of these other companies. And, you know, they, 
they all used us. So it was, it was fantastic. I love it. And what was your, I mean, your ICP during those initial stages, it may have changed, maybe it's still the same, but who was your ideal customer when you were implementing core strategies and doing these directory listings and the VC outreach? Who were you really after? It was, it was the VPs of sales. It was, it was this inside sales team. Recruiters were fantastic. That was a great market. It was a big market and the use case was so simple. Um, but really it was emailing the inside sales team, the VP of sales, the, the BDRs, because we knew that they lived in these products all day long and they were a perfect fit for our company. This is super helpful. So those of you listening, I mean, if you are in the zero to 12 employee situation and you're looking for new ways, new tactics, I mean, um, you mentioned, you just rattled off a few. Quora is something that uh, B2B companies that are going after the more savvy uh, ICPs out there, like VPs of sales, that is a great resource for you. You can use paid ads on Quora. Uh, you can create a strategy that allows you to get your answers in front of those those really great discussions that are happening on Quora. So check that out, directories, beta list. For those of you who haven't seen beta list, it's similar to Product Hunt, a little bit more of a niche audience, but great for those SaaS companies in the early stages to get some free press. And then you, you just obviously used what you know in the cold outreach. So we do want to touch on cold outreach a little bit in this episode, but let's talk about the key inflection points, the, the changes that happened at the stages zero to 12. What happened that really got you to 12 to 30? What were the key inflection points at those stages? Well, the one thing is we raised 400K. So that, that obviously helps quite a bit. Uh, we never raised a follow-up round or an A round. Um, so you only can grow as, as you know, accordingly to and scale as accordingly to revenue. So if you're, if you, if you don't have, you know, a lot of revenue, you can't hire more people unless you're going to raise more money. Um, so we were really cognizant of the fact that, you know, we raised 400 K with, this would probably last us a year and we better get profitable pretty quick because we were already profitable from day one. And, you know, we, we hired who, where we thought we would needed people in marketing and sales and, 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 and tech. And that's, that's pretty much every, every software company out there. Um, so in, in the early days, the, the growth from one to 12 really happened because, you know, we grew pretty fast early on uh, because of the marketing. So we knew we wanted to double down a little bit on the marketing side. So we did that. And then when we got from, you know, 12 to 30, we really doubled down on the development of, of reply. Um, and then when we, you know, from 30 to 60, we really realized that sales and customer success and support was a great resource. And I, I can't tell you enough how big support is. Um, it, it varies in every company, but support is such a critical touch point because they kind of wear two hats. It's, it's not just support, but it's also very much customer success in, in many ways because they identify things before anyone else even gets to that point. So s- support was a big, big point for us to even grow uh, faster. So um, from from zero to twelve, again was was very much around um, you know marketing. Then the next was really double down on dev, and then sales and support. And today, as we kind of grow from the sixty employees to a hundred, um, our goal is to triple our development resources. So we're not going to put more time into you know a few people in sales and support and marketing, but we're on a triple down on dev because we see the the product roadmap in this market is so large, there's so much demand, but more importantly, the, the, the end user, the customer, they know what they want and they're asking for it. And there's a, a long list of, of great features that we know that is going to not only help clients today, but help clients in the next you know, three to five years. 
I love it. I think everybody listening can attest to the need for financial contributions early on, at least form of a nice seed round. Uh, but if not, if you have that revenue coming in, use marketing to leverage that, use some of the, the activities that you deployed to get that initial revenue surging. But when you got that $400,000 and you knew that you wanted to really build this thing into something teams of all sizes can use, not just you know smaller teams or, or individuals within a team, but you've created some really great resources and product changes around team functionality. So once you really had that working on the marketing side, turn your attention towards product and developing some key features. Do you remember any of those product features that really hit home with your audiences back around 12 to 30 employees? I, I sure do. But on the flip side, I remember what we did wrong. And I think that really helped us not spend more time on what, what we were doing wrong because we are very much an email, phone call, task, automating those tasks within your day. And we got into data very early on and we started selling data. And it's a hard game to play because you need, again, you, are you building a great communication platform, which Reply is, or are you building a data platform? And doing both is really tough. And we really found that it was hard and the demands of a customer was even you know, more demanding to, to make sure both platforms are working perfectly and in sync and, and having that data all the time was, was, was you know, putting a strain on our, on our resources. So we, we scrapped the data, we moved that and we, we pushed that aside. Um, and we focused on the communication, we focused on the automation, we doubled down on, on those parts. And we really tried to focus on simplicity within our space because if you look at our product you'll see that our ui is is you know very clean and straightforward and, and you know it's nice to look at we, we've done a very good job and we're proud of it um, but we try to figure out the workflow where it's like you know four or five clicks in your campaign it's created and then you know giving you simple reporting that you know you don't have to look for it it's just right there and then if you need to make a phone call you just click on the phone call button and it dials for you, like, like most other systems you would expect to, to have, and most of them do. So we really focused on the clean simplicity design of, of Reply. More importantly, we've also, we've had two iterations of the product. So we've actually wiped out our first version of Reply, which was very, you know, not aesthetically pleasing to what it is today. And then we added another version on top of that to, to kind of clean it up even more. So within three years, you know, we've, we've, you know, we're pretty much almost on our third version of Reply already. Because that's one of the things that we really focus on is try to push the envelope to keep building. We want to be, you know, are you, are you, every startup, are you, are you a sales focused company or are you product focused company? I come from sales and marketing background. I would love to say that we're a sales focused company and we are, but we are more of a product focused company. And that's where we put our time and money and our effort. And we know that, you know, being great in this space is that where you, that's what you have to do. And that's what really clients demand. Because we know it's easier for people to buy than more than ever. They don't need to always talk to a salesperson. So make sure the product's great. It'll, it'll take, care, take care of a lot of problems. And now what's coming is more focus on development, more focus on the product. You're going to increase your development resources and continue creating just an awesome product. That's really what's been responsible for your growth is just the hyper focus on the messaging platform itself and the product, if I hear that correctly. Yeah, 100%. So I want to talk about this um, before we get into count-based selling. So, you know, you've, you've opened up new markets, you've done a lot of virtual 
team-based activities. Uh, do you have any recommendations, any scaling of, of virtual teams, tips and tactics for the listeners before we get into account-based selling? Yes, I, I do. I definitely do. You know, trial by error is, you know, is everything you, you learn, you learn from your mistakes. And um, we wanted to build a remote team from day one. Um, we didn't want to, you know, spend an hour in traffic every day. And we felt that it was not just driving in the car and getting to work. It was really around like, where are the best people that we can find, that we can attract, that we don't have to worry about where they're located. If they're good, we want to work with them. And, and, and that's what happened. I was in Toronto. My co-founder is in Ukraine. Um, he has a great talent pool out there of, of developers and, and marketers as well in, in Toronto, you know, sales and marketing here as well. So it was a good combination. So we decided, you know, let's, let's do this remote. And it's hard. I don't care what anyone tells you, it's hard doing it remote. And I'm not going to get into you can't build a big company or small company or you're limited. It's just, it's hard. And you got to make sure that you communicate really well. So in the beginning, you know, you, you jump on Slack or, you know, Hangouts or Skype or whatever you're going to use, you know, you're going to talk every day, you're going to communicate, you know, it gets you only so far. Um, documenting early on as you can is, and we just started doing this now, like I'm talking a few months ago. So it's been three years. And um, so using a product like Slight um, to, to, for your knowledge base, uh, we use a product like Pipeify for your sales, pro for your processes, all processes. So even a new person comes on board, a new employee, doesn't matter what department they're in, we have a process for every single department. So we all know if they have a question, there's, you can always go to that knowledge base to see the processes. Then you can also ask, you know, talk to your team. So the documentation of processes is really, really important. And having a vision and a mission statement is also important too. People may think like, oh, they, they, you know, we want to build a great company, but like have a vision and a mission statement because people get behind that. You got to believe it and you got to reinforce it all the time. And, um, you know, so as building a remote company, we've done offsite, we've taken the whole company, everyone's gone to Egypt. Uh, we spent a week there. Um, so we do that every other year. Um, it gets the team together, builds the bond, and let's face it, it's fun. So um, I would say document your processes as early on as you can and make sure someone's in charge of it and make sure that every department head, it's mandated that you document every single process because that's how you're going to build a better team. Otherwise, you're starting from scratch all the time. And everybody listening and, and myself included, we're tools and tactics geeks. So if you could mention Pipeify and one other and exactly what they do. Yeah, so Slight, um, S-L-I-T-E is a knowledge base system. Um, so we use Slight for you know all knowledge base, every everything within our product of, for, for internal resources. And then Pipeify, P-I-P-E-F-Y, I believe is process management. Um, so you document all your processes and your stages and um, it's, it, you know, gives you a walkthrough of, you know, once you understand the stage, you click onto the next and it, and it brings you through um, kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, a cycle and a flow um, so you can build these processes in, you know, in a really nice order. Um, so those are two things that we use and we, you know, we kind of really heavily rely, rely on those things. And of course, um, we spend a crazy amount of money on, 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 on technology. Like I think we have like 30 different products that we use. It's, it's just crazy. Uh, maybe sometimes overboard, but just like everyone else, you know, we use, um, you know, we use your Slack and, and uh, your Zoom meeting and, and everything else, Gmail and everything else that you would expect. But um, those two products are, you know, definitely when you get to a, 
10, 15 employees, I probably recommend you probably implement them. I would like to ask this. You don't have to answer, but um, do you know the total cost of your tech stack? To, I know to the dollar and it's, it's around 15,000 a month. For, and you're 47 employees? 60. That's great. Okay. So this is a perfect spot to to continue into the ecosystem that Reply lives in as a product and whether or not you are doing account-based selling, have been or recommended or not. Let's talk real quickly about account-based selling as an ecosystem system as a strategy, as a business model. And I'll give you just the definition that appears when you do a search. Account-based selling is primarily a B2B sales model where you target companies or quote-unquote accounts in the CRM rather than specific leads. So there's several different ways to go about it. Again, you're targeting companies or accounts. Now, Lee, have you leveraged account-based selling? Do you use account-based selling? What role does account-based selling play in Reply's current sales model? Yeah, it's it's a it's a big it's a big role for us. Um, it's something that we we heavily leverage, and um, you know it's easier said than done. So when I give you the landscape of our sales team, we have a VP of sales, we have three sales executives. You would say. Um, they were, you know, they're, they're product specialists. They walk you through the product, do the demos, and you know, and then obviously, you know, look to um, look to bring you on board at the end of the day. Uh, we have three team members that are in, I would say, slash a little bit of customer success, but very much account management. And then we have a team of four BDRs. Okay, so when we look at account based selling, we definitely uh, deploy this within Reply. You know, the first thing you always want to look at is like, what's the approach? Because you can get very lost very easily in account-based selling because everyone has a different kind of angle on it. Um, our angle is, um, you know, what's your approach? Like, how are you going to target these accounts and, you know, the companies? And what does that look like? So, you know, I think you have to take a step back first and understand, you know, are you getting a lot of inbound leads? Okay, well, if, if, if you are, then, you know, you should probably look at looking at those accounts that are th those leads that are coming in and probably starting to identify a pattern and more importantly what do these companies look like because I don't want my other team that's completely blind into my out my inbound leads that are coming in to start targeting those accounts when they're already coming in like it's it's easy when they're coming in because they already like if they fill out a demo request or maybe even a, a drift chat or a, a, a trial account like they're, they're, there's a reason for it um, so you want to figure out what your strategy looks like and, and look at your, your, your company as a whole and figure out like if we're going pure outbound, there's a, there's one approach as opposed to like, I want to identify my account based selling with some of the inbound leads that are coming in. So that takes us to, you know, who's coordinating this? Is it, is it being coordinated through marketing? Is it, you know, what's the SDR going to tackle? So your sales development team, like how are they going to tackle this? Where do they come in? Where does, is, is it being directed by sales and certain accounts that they want to target? Um, and then versus marketing, right? It's, it's versus sales versus marketing versus SDRs. Like how do they all fit? Because they all need to fit now. You can't just say, okay, SDRs, I want you to go and target these Fortune 500 accounts and, and you know, go after them. Because sales is like, well, I'm, I'm going after those accounts too. And I'm already working a few. And then marketing is like, well, I'm creating content. So what does all this content look like and who is it coming from and what pieces is it coming from? So again, it's all about, you know, you need to build a relationship no matter what. Account-based selling, you need to build a relationship. Got to figure out where your multiple touch points are coming from. 
you know, what's the problem? Like, what's the ultimate problem you're solving with your solution? And, you know, why should they buy your offering? You need to figure that out. And who's coaching all of this? So there's a lot of different areas that you need to figure out um, right down to the personalization of it. Who's creating the content? Who do you want to target for the content? You know, what's the value of these accounts? And then the big one, it's like build the playbook. So what does that playbook look like? And then you use, uh, ultimately, you look to use a product like Reply or many other products, but use a product, please. Don't just, you know, send a, an email that's not automated or a phone call that doesn't have a, a task attached to it without updating your CRM and your marketing not being visible into it. You need to have a playbook. It's all great advice. And you've been through it, not just with Reply, but all of your uh, previous positions you've been running account-based selling, running different B2B strategies uh, for years now. So this is great advice. And um, if I can recap there, so your advice on questions to ask yourselves as a team, whether that's leadership or the sales and marketing teams themselves, but you know, what is your approach currently? Are you getting enough inbound leads and who are those inbound leads and making sure that that data is known and is shared amongst the teams? And then who's going to coordinate the sales strategy? Is it going to be marketing down to sales and then out to the SDRs and BDRs, et cetera? Is it going to be sales out to marketing and determining where those leads and that, that traffic and that strategy is going to be directed from and who's going to be holding those reins? And then what products and what ecosystem that entire strategy is deployed using. So your cold outreach products, your CRM, your marketing automation products, your chat tools, all of that uh, needs to be well thought through in place before you can execute a successful ABM selling strategy. Sorry, ABS in this case. And I'm curious to know your thoughts of the difference between account-based marketing, account-based selling. And I've heard them used synonymously in the past, but do you see that there's a difference? Well, I think there's a difference still today because there's still the, the combative nature between sales and marketing. There's still friction there, right? And un until that goes away, you're going to have account-based marketing because marketing wants to create the content to target certain accounts. And then sales wants to run their playbooks and their emails and their phone calls and using their drift and, and, and other products out there to go into those target accounts as well. You know they're 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 running different playbooks. So yeah, they're they're com you know very similar, but uh, still different in, in many walks of life. So I think we're getting there with with products as the as we evolve our products and and, and products evolve in this space. You're you're seeing um, I would say less crossover between the systems because they're starting to marry a little bit. That's where I was going with this. I mean, it's not on the docket for us to discuss, but sales and marketing alignment and the crossover and where marketing stops and sales begins, it's becoming a lot more gray, which um, is good uh, for the customer, for the for the person being sold to. It's, it's great because everything's more aligned. Everything's more one-to-one. -one. But internally, if you do have a traditionally set up business, and I'm talking to those, let's just say they're SaaS founders out there that do have their SDRs, BDRs, AEs on one side, and then their marketing team on the other. Do you have any advice or any uh, sort of structure, any sort of system or anything that you would recommend to make sure that the marketing and sales teams are aligned and that everything is happening as smooth as possible. Anything at all for those guys? Yes, we, we go through this all the time. and We've tackled this quite a few times. 
because we keep going back to the drawing board because you want to keep your iterating. You want to be better. Um, you want more leads. You want better quality leads. So my recommendation is make sure you have the stakeholders communicate. Again, map out what the journey looks like for that client or that prospect or that lead. And where does marketing stop and take off and agree on it? I'll give you an example and I'll give you our example, which is, you know, which is what we do. And we drive a lot of traffic. We drive a lot of leads. We close a lot of deals. So we were doing something right. So I'll share, I'll share a little bit of our process with you. So when you have a, a trial sign up, come on board, you know, marketing will send a few emails about, you know, the product and what you should be aware of and how things work. And here's some tips and tricks and benefits and, you know, features that we have. Sales at the same time is also communicating with that prospect because they submitted a lead. We want to talk to them. We want to give them a demo. We want to make sure that they're a right fit. So we're emailing. We want to make sure like is sales emailing the same day, the same time that marketing is emailing? Like what's the steps in between look like? You don't want to, you know, bombard your, your prospect with, you know, 10 emails in one day. So where, where sales and marketing feel comfortable in between that synergy? Like where do they work? Then more importantly, what happens if they become a customer or if they do not become a customer now? So they've maybe exhausted their 14-day trial. They've used it. They haven't purchased. Sales wants to go in. Marketing wants to go in. Like, what's that, what's that handoff look like? And who takes over and who will control it? So having those conversations with all the different stakeholders and agreeing to, like, who's going to want to run what is really important. I think that's where it all starts. We all want the same outcome. You know, we want the best what's for the company and for the, for the customer. So no need to have an ego and figure out, like, I want to run this whole process because I'm in marketing and I should only email clients because of marketing. So work together and really figure out who leads and you know who follows up. And and that's really what it comes down to, I think, worked well for us because we, you know, I've worked with some marketers that want to run everything and you know sales is sitting there with their hands in their pocket. We're like, I have no visibility into any of this. Like I can't I can't log into Marketo. You're not going to get me a license. So I don't know who's emailing. I don't know who's visiting. I don't know who's doing anything. They're blind. That's why systems like Reply and, and, and a lot of the companies in our space have done so well because of just that visibility alone. We've given salespeople the tools that now marketers have. So work together, figure out what that workflow is, and your company will, will do a lot better for it. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's really what this is all about. The account, the actual uh, transparency and the knowledge from all levels of the company, of what's going on with that specific prospect and what they've been sent at what times. And uh, making sure you map that out ahead of time. Like you said, you guys have a great system where you do have sales and marketing both emailing that prospect at the same time during the buying process, not at the exact same time, but you have a very specific touch points that go out probably certain days of the week where sales will, will hit them with something, marketing will hit them maybe a couple of days later, but you've got it all strategized and worked out and tested to be optimal for the customer's experience and for pushing them to close without really annoying them and making it uh, overbearing. So this is really what's great about the current ecosystem is we do have the tools like reply.io that allow us that transparency and allow us to set up those campaigns from different email accounts and allows sales and marketing to both be contributive in the effort to nurture those prospects all the way through to a demo or to close. So that's great tips. Thank you so much for that. And we did have a, um, a question in here that if you want to talk about products that are necessary to execute a really one-to-one -one experience from acquisition 
all the way through to final close. There's more products out there than ever. Lots of people have always mentioned, you know, you hear it all the time, no one needs another SaaS company, right? Like there's there's a lot of them out there, but we're all solving a, you know, a different and unique pro- problem and process within your company. Um, so, you know, we're, we're fans of like, we like Intercom. Intercom's great because our support team can chat with them directly. It loops in our, in our sales team when, when needed and everyone has visibility, but we also use, you know, Drift on our site because we feel that, you know, Drift is a, is a little more unique to the selling uh, of selling process. Um, again, looping in sales right away when, when needed. Um, so, you know, there's, 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 I think a lot of great products that, that you can use. I think there's the state stable of products that I think everyone uses and, and should use. Um, and maybe this is a good time for, for me to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of like the evolution of, of, of the sales stack. Uh, we can, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, because you know, there's, there's a, again, a company that's five employees to a company that's like 3000 employees is going to be different processes and different products that you use. Um, for, for our purpose from, you know, zero to a hundred, let's say, um, when, when we first started again, budgets, uh, of course, um, you know, we use the pipe drives of the world. We, we, we started with intercom, uh, we did the, the join me. We, of course, we used our own product reply. Um, we used a product called name to email. That's actually, that was our first product that we've ever launched and it was free. It's always been free. You can find anyone's email address anywhere. It's called name to email. Uh, and it's completely free. So that's what we use because, you know, resources were really light. And, you know, we try to scrape some some data off of LinkedIn um, when, you know, when we could. And uh, there's a lot of products that did that. So LinkedIn is obviously like you should use that from day one. And then when we look at the, you know, evolution of our product because our product matures or people mature or processes mature, you know, we still use the drift and copper um, heavily, you know, do a lot of integrations and heavily reply, uh, use, um, rely on, on Zapier. Um, we use, you know, zoom meeting now just seems better for us. Um, calendarly for your links and your calendar. It's great. Everyone should use it. If you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to book for calendarly. Uh, we're big fans of copper CRM, um, previously prosper work. So copper is, we feel a phenomenal, phenomenal CRM and they're, they're just such a good company. They're a great company to deal with their support, their, their development, their sales, like top, top notch company, uh, copper. And obviously we have, we have a integration with them, but we have integrations with many different CRM companies, but copper is a great one. I recommend, especially, you know, as you're, you're growing a company from, you know, from one to 50 employees, like copper is fantastic, probably well, well beyond that. Um, and even when you look at like a phone system, we use, we use a system like just call, which is great. And, you know, we use our own, we use our own uh, dialer as well within our, within our platform. So um, there's sometimes, you know, a little bit redundancy Our business dev team will use um, more so within the system and reply. And then our sales teams use a little bit of both. Um, but uh, there's a lot of great products that, you know, everyone should use Clearbit connect. Again, we use that today, sales navigator. Um, so as you scale, you're going to, you know, you're going to be confused about what products you should use and shouldn't use. So hopefully that's a little bit of a good framework for, um, for what we're using and, and probably help you um, make your day probably a little more efficient as well. Love the current stack. Very well done. And um, it just call, I'm not familiar with actually, but I'm curious if you use any more auto dialers anymore around the phone system itself. Yeah. So we have an integration with Twilio. So Twilio is built into our product. Um, and we'll, we can talk a little of this a little bit later, but we will be 
building more of a phone dialer into our system that'll be released in a few weeks. Um, so that's that's based on Twilio. But before that, you know, we've been using Just Call. It's kind of like probably all the other, you know, phone dialers that you've seen. You know, um, soft phone on your phone and your desktop, and you know, IP based. Um, records all the calls if you want recording, and you can see team stats. Yeah, we went with it because it was just uh, easy to buy. Uh, the product worked. It integrated with our CRM, which was really important. And um, again, we, we dial from Ply and we, we dial from Just Call. Um, our, our workflow, going back to account-based selling, is a little bit different. So are you going to be calling out of your CRM? Are you going to be calling out of a system like Reply? Those are things you have to figure out. You have to figure that out as a company. Like, do you live in your CRM? Do you live in a system like Reply? Do you, um, who makes calls out of where? How are they tracked? How are they updated? Um, so those are things that you have to figure out. And as we're building, we're learning this as well, because as we're building these new features into our product to make it more into, let's say, from a, you know, application to what I would say more of a platform, that's where we're becoming, um, you know, we're moving more away from, you know, having less calls from just call to living in reply because everything's in reply, all the automation, all the workflows there. So our reps live in reply. So it becomes easier. So you have to figure that out too you know, where your stack is, but more importantly, who runs that playbook and where are they going to call from and why will they call from there? Who's making those sales calls, uh, whether it's you, the founder or someone on your team, um, can you go back and see in a accounts activity, how many times they've been called and by whom? And, um, and if you can't, um, the, you, you need to figure out a way to a way to start managing that call process a lot more closely uh, because that affects everything. And a lot of founders and a lot of teams in general, they get really uh, a lot of tunnel vision with their day-to-day processes and what they need to do. And they don't consider um, what's happening um, on the peripheral, right? And this is especially true with DIY founders that are doing a lot of their own selling um, and, um, and sales teams uh, versus marketing teams. If a call's been made, you know we want to make sure to know that and to change uh, the other messaging around that call based on what's happened on that call. And you can't do that if those systems are disparate and, and it's not being tracked accordingly and integrated properly. Um, this is also why Copper put a lot of time and energy into their new Ring Central integration, one of the few integrations that they actually support natively because it's so imperative that you have call tracking in the CRM. And the good news for founders or any company, especially early stage, is that, you know, there's so many resources, this this podcast, for example, there's so many resources where you, you don't have to make the mistakes. We're all going to make them. Um, but there's a lot of resources where you you can learn, get up pretty quick to figure out what's the best way of, uh, you know, building that stack and how to build a workflow. Um, and there's, and there's, you know, a lot of consultants out there and, and, uh, that you can you can go to and, and more importantly there's probably a lot of other founders that you you know like go to any co-share you're going to meet other founders that they're going to spend some time with you and um you know help you out along that way so you're never going to be alone that's uh, great tips and um just to recap the evolution of reply stack today intercom plus drift uh, copper is a crm just call and twilio clearbit connect and sales navigator 
We have a section in here that I want to sort of pivot to, but I do want to talk about partnerships and how partnerships is integrated with account-based selling and the stack itself. Partnerships, these could be anything from your, your channel partnerships, your affiliate partnerships. These are people that you're going to want to sell to. If you really want to hit some incredible growth trajectory, partnerships needs to be discussed. And if it is going to be something you're going to start doing and taking seriously, it needs to be a part of your stack. It needs to be a part of your day-to-day functions. It needs to be strategized with both sales and marketing. So I do want to talk about that with you, Lee, because you've had a ton of experience developing partnership systems and you're doing that incredibly well with Reply. And that's how I actually was introduced to Reply. So let's talk about that real quick. So the first question is, what is the importance of a partnership strategy? Well, I look at partnerships as a community. You know, you, you, you want to build a community of, of partners that are going to benefit your business just as much as you're going to benefit their business. It's not just about, you know, an affiliate link and refer our product because, you know, anyone can take an affiliate link and put it online somewhere and, and be like, click on my link and it could be the wrong prospect for us. Like, we don't want that. We want to make sure we have the right prospect that comes to us. So we vet all our partners. We won't just hand out a link to, to anybody, you, even though you can go get one. Um, but as far as building a relationship and, you know, having perks and everything else, like we want to talk to you and we want to make sure that you're running the right type of business. So our partners are, you know, any company out there that's usually doing like outsource selling for any company. So you take, let's say, uh, Uber, for example, um, Uber may want to target a certain area in New York, uh, about, you know, everybody who, who, you know, should be using their service and they'll go to an outbound company who will want to, you know, like update and book meetings for them or, you know, get the word out there. And, 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 and our partners will, um, you know, use reply and they'll use our product um, to bring their customers onto our platform because they'll run their customers outbound campaigns uh, for them. So with our partner program, you know, it's really important and it's about, you know, 25% of our revenue um, because our partners know that we're going to give them, you know, great support. We're going to give them, you know, hopefully the, the technology that they need to run their business because they need to run the campaigns and sales campaigns and run, you know, account-based selling playbooks for their sales team, for their, for their companies that they're working with because they're going to outsource everything to them. And the partner handles the email copy. They handle the, the campaign setup. They'll handle the data and getting the leads together and figuring out their ideal customer profiles. So that was a natural fit for us. That's what our product does. So we want to go to every sales coach. And much like we did very early on, email every incubator and VC firm and directory listing, we went to every sales coach, consultant, trainer that we can possibly find and, and, and pitch them our product saying, listen, you're running campaigns for your customers. Like you should use Reply. And the reason why it's important for, I think any company should have a partner program. And the reason why is one, you know, it's revenue. Um, two, you know, you're building a community. So partners understand that, you know, you're going to get, instead of me just going out to any product and just using that product, you know, reply, we're going to, we're building an implementation program around our partners. We're building a managed service program around our partners. So if when our customers come to us and say, I need help with my email copy, we'll have a partner for you. If you want a partner to manage all of your campaigns and do everything from beginning to end and just book the meeting for you and you take the meeting and have the call, our partner could do that for you as well. So we're starting to build this ecosystem. So it goes both ways. It's building a community, but I think it's really, really important for every part, every business out there, um, and most businesses will fit a partner program 
to resell your product, but more importantly, use your product so that the, that way, because they're influences in their space, they're using your product. People are getting out there. They're hearing more about reply and it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Um, and again, the revenue is, is great because a partner will, again, rely on your business to use your product. And in return, you know, they either have a discount perks, promotions, you know, everything else, but more importantly, you know, they're, they're, they probably have the, you know, a little more of the, you know, the, 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 the key to the door. Um, so, so to say, um, with, with, you know, product releases and, and really shaping the product. Our partners are a very big part of like how our product is shaped. And we learn a lot more about the market and, and we feel like we're a little bit ahead than, you know, a lot of other companies out there in our space because we work with a lot of these partners that have these complex issues of running these accounts. And let's face it, a lot of these partners have a lot of experience, a lot more experience than us. So we learn from them as well. So I think it's really good to build a partner partnership program as early as you can. And uh, just a little, uh, you know, throw a little, uh, um, you know, word out there for, for our partner that we use. Um, we use a company called, uh, previously was called GrowSumo. Um, they're called Partner Stack now. Uh, they rebranded to Partner Stack, and they're it's a it's, it's a great product that we use to hand out all our affiliate links and all our affiliate codes to our partners, um, so that way they can get their commissions. And then Partner Stack, you know, they deal with everything. I don't even have to remit payment; they do it all for me. So you know, there's a cost to everything, but Partner Stack is a great great product um, if you're if you know if you're getting started or maybe you know a little bit later on. It's, it's completely hands-off. So, and, and another thing with partner stack that I want to bring up, and, and this is why I'm doing it, is because not only are they a great product, but about half of our partners that we signed up have come from partner stack because they have a marketplace and a lot of partners found us on the marketplace. So it also is good for a marketing side for us as well. Acquisition is good. And for those of you listening, that's partnerstack, all spelled correctly.com. And I read a recent news article about impact.com, another cloud-based partnership management platform. No accident these companies are excelling today. Part of the reason is companies like Reply that have doubled down and really put some emphasis on developing these partner programs. And like you said, it's they enable you to grow faster. I mean, these are these are people that are going to recommend you to their end all be all clients, friends, customers, whoever. They create inherent feedback loops. Your partners probably give you feedback on the product all the time. Valuable feedback from power users that you should really take seriously. So they create those feedback loops. They are your community at the end of the day. Um, so these are the people that, you know, will stick with you, um, through, through bumps in the road and, uh, and, and be there for you and be there to, uh, sing your praises as you, as you grow and, and go through all your changes. So it becomes a community. So check out partner stack, check out impact.com. And I wanted to ask, do you recommend companies that are starting a partnership program? Is that something that they should a hire someone for and, and B, uh, should they develop a process and also customizations to their stack around. So that could be a new pipeline in their CRM. That could be a new cold outreach system. Um, what, what are your recommendations on both hiring for partnerships and how that looks inside your stack and operation? That's a great question. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out myself sometimes. Um, much like you make mistakes in every part of your business. Um, ours was I hired a VP of sales a little bit too late. I should have hired him or her a little bit earlier. Um, I'm still a little bit controlling on the mark on the partner side. I still deal with a lot of the partners myself. Um, and 
yes, you should hire someone to manage the partners, uh, much like a VP of sales, because it is, you know, instead of you managing five or 10 or 50 salespeople, you're managing 50, 100, 500 partners. It's no different. Um, partners need, you know, partners come to you with uh, a, a client that they have that maybe they're not going to manage the campaigns for them, but maybe they're going to sell the partner on your software and they have 100 users. They, they need a demo. They're a partner. They're, they're going to earn commission on this, right? Like you need to give them a demo. You need to sell that end user just like you would anyone else. So it's a sales focused job as well as support focused job. So yes, I would say, you know, early on, you, you know, just get the machine rolling. And then when it just becomes, you know, too overwhelming, you definitely want to definitely want to hire someone, but you can't take a hundred percent of my advice on that. Cause I haven't taken my mine on that yet. I'm still looking for somebody to, to manage the partnership program. So if you do have a CRM that allows you to create multiple pipelines, whether it's you managing it or somebody else, you know, spring up a new partnership pipeline to track the leads that are coming in that are either tagged or have a customer field type for partnerships so that those are all organized and you can see what's happening with the communication and, and staging out of those partnerships that you're keen on gathering. At what size, I, w- I would ask you this, Lee, um, you guys are right around um, 60 employees right now, but if I'm a SaaS founder and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I have a marketing team, maybe I have one salesperson, um, but when do you think it's the right time to spring up a, um, a partnership strategy and start really going after, is that ev- any time, is that as early as possible, or is that wait until you have marketing and sales figured out before you start doing partnerships? When, when would you say you, you should start partnerships? I would say early as possible. We did it a year too late. We did it in, you know, the end of 2016, um, should have done it right, right from the beginning, um, you know, getting a, a system like partner stack in place is easy. Like there's, there's, there's not a lot of work for you to do. It's, it's, you know, overnight and, you know, partners are, are, are business just like anything else, right? The business isn't just going to flow in right away. You got to, got to nurture those partners and you got to, you know, reach out to them and get them on board and sell them on your platform. If you want more business, do it from day one, because it's going to take, you know, six months at least to, to get things going. Um, so it's again, it's all about your approach. The way you approach a prospect and account-based selling is no different than your approach to partners. You know, what are you offering? What's your value prop? You know, what's the benefit for them? We targeted sales coaches, trainers, consultants, companies who are running outbound as a business, and there are a lot of them, and there's a lot more today. So it's it's a healthy business. Um, so if you're, you know, for the listeners here, um, if you're running a, a business on, you know, an e-commerce business, 100%, like go to tap affiliates, get a link. And I think it's like $40 and get going right away and have people refer, you know, product to you and, and, and make commission. If you're a, you know, if you're on YouTube, you already know you're doing that. Uh, if you have a lot of followers on YouTube, um, if you're a SaaS company, 100%, don't wait, do it right away. Tap affiliate. Tap, yeah. Tap affiliates is another product out there. You're just full of great information. This is wonderful. So just to recap everybody, um, you know, we're talking about partnerships. The answer to the last question was start as early as possible with partnerships. Um, even if you don't have that full-time role in place, 
get the engine going, get the uh, test messaging, uh, get your tap affiliates link, get your partnership, partnerstack.com account set up and, and really start offering those partnerships and getting those people in and, and develop what that partnership is going to look like for them and for you. Pick out the ICP, who's going to be, who are they, where are they, et cetera, et cetera, and what's the benefit for them for being involved. And it, yeah, and get started as soon as possible is the main takeaway there. And don't forget, build a landing page on your site that has that says partners or partnership program or contacts to be a partner, but have a, a landing page on your site telling your partners what, you know, it's in it for them, right? Like earn generous commissions, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. Just go to our site and just copy what we did. Like really simple. Please do it. Like it's, it's easy. So build a landing page, put it on your site. People will ask you, like, that's how we started a partnership program because we didn't even think about about it at all. People were like, do you have a partnership program? We kept hearing it. We're like, let's build a landing page and see what, what kind of feedback we got. And then everybody started asking about it. So um, do it do it early. Yep. Shout out to Mark, my colleague at Automated, who has uh, referred me to Lee and gotten this podcast underway. So let's just talk about general changes. And you can talk about whether there are changes in the ecosystem in general. You can talk about uh, changes, what's happening with Reply. I just want to open it up to talk about anything that you see coming and want everyone to know about both the ecosystem where Reply sits and, and also the product itself. We, we, see, a, we see our space... Um, again, it's evolving. It's, it's where, you know, CRM was, I don't know, 12 years ago. It's where marketing was 10 years ago. Um, still early. There's, there's a lot of shifts happening and things that we probably don't even see that's coming that we don't know about yet. And the market's evolving. But one thing we do see is, you know, the Omni, the Omni, you know, ecosystem, the Omni channel approach, um, a lot of different touch points before, you know, two, three years ago, email was great. And then, you know, it was cold calling before that. And then cold calling was dead. Then it was back again. Um, you know, it's a little bit, it was a little bit everywhere. Um, but then people really realized that, you know, it's that omni-channel. It's, it's that multi-step touch point. It's, it's, it's all of the above. It's your LinkedIn and your social, um, maybe a little bit of social, not too much social, but there's a little bit of social in there. And then there's your phone calls and emails and, and, you know, how do you engage with that buyer through, is it a little bit of content and where do you post that content? So we definitely see it, you know, on that omni-channel side, but more importantly, we also see it on the messaging side as well, because buyers um, are, let's face it, they, you know, they, they don't always fill out a form. They may want to chat with you. They want to chat with you how they want to chat with you. They want to chat with you on their Facebook messenger or their WhatsApp or Viber or mess or, or, you know, Skype or Telegram. There's, you know, a lot of different people. Like when we, when I go over to Europe and we have clients there, you know, everybody uses Viber and, 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 and WhatsApp. And then, you know, in the U S it's like, no one's heard of like, no one, I don't see a lot of people using Telegram for instance, but maybe people use Skype or something else or Facebook messenger. So, um, you know, the world's a big place. A lot of people are communicating in different channels. So we're seeing a lot of the messaging really come to the forefront and people are asking for that a lot. Um, so there's a lot of evolving, but we definitely see like the, the omni-channel approach, multi-step touch point approach. Again, all comes down to the playbook and figure out what that playbook looks like for you. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, you know, I kind of see things happening. Um, and then kind of, you know, a, a little, a little bit of segue here. We, we also released, uh, launched our second company. Uh, it's called replynow.io. And again, that's all around 
chat messaging. So not only do I see it happening, we actually believe it's happening. And because we've had thousands of people tell us about it and we went and we built it. So uh, take a look at that reply now.io uh, completely free. Um, even though there's pricing on the page, it's completely free. We're not charging anybody yet. We don't even have the billing system connected to it, so we can't charge you. So uh, take that. Um, so use it for free, and um, you know we're we're just you know in beta, getting use cases, and um, you know I'm sure there's going to be a couple of bugs here or there, but um, the yeah, omni-channel approach is, is definitely uh, something that we see very much coming to the forefront, um, especially as. You know, sales, just like most of us, you get into sales in your, let's say, in your 20s. And, you know, there's a new group and a new evolution of salespeople that are coming in that's, that only know messaging. So there, there are things changing. Um, it's going to be a while still, but uh, we definitely see that approach coming. Oh, I love it. Beautiful homepage and beautiful website with replynow.io. So everyone go check that out. Very, very interested to see what happens with Ply Now. So I'll check that out as well. And I encourage everyone else to do so. And uh, the biggest things there that I just want to hear um, one more prediction around or, or just your thoughts around, and we talk a lot about this on the podcast, but the democratization of your tech stack, that's not just costs and how a product like Reply, which is incredibly powerful, is inexpensive for what it offers. This is happening across the industry. We're seeing these products come out that are just incredibly powerful. Um, so there's democratization, both on costs versus feature standpoint, it, you can have a very powerful stack for inexpensive these days and also democratization between teams. So what are any thoughts that you have around just what's coming and what, what's happening in the industry of MarTech with regards to democratization and making everything more uh, attainable? There's a few things happening and usually you see a shift in acquisition. So we look a little while ago, there was you know, Marketo who purchased ToutApp, I think it was just a year ago. And then most recently, Adobe purchased Marketo. Um, ToutApp is now closed for business. Okay. Uh, I've heard recently, don't quote me on this because I haven't heard it publicly, but I heard that uh, another competitor in our space was acquired by LinkedIn, a very small one though, acquired by LinkedIn, more of a, an aqua hire. And then, you know, one thing I've also confirmed was that, um, you know, salesforce.com was looking to um, and have made a big pitch to another competitor that, you know, they turned down. Um, so hopefully we don't get any trouble by saying that. But, you know, that's that's what that's what I'm hearing on the street. And, you know, when we see these acquisitions happening and consolidation within the market, um, there's there's a good thing sometimes, right? There's There's companies who are growing and going up market. And any company that goes up market and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, well, you know, they don't have as much space to manage and deal with the customers that, you know, they were probably a customer three years ago that were smaller customer. So it opens up the market in the beginning. So I still think that we are as in SaaS as a whole, doesn't matter if it's in our space or not, just SaaS as a whole is so early in the game. There's so many companies that are still not even adopted SaaS yet all over the world. When we look at our space, I think it's so early in in the game that the evolution of our product hasn't even hit nowhere near maturity. Um, but we've also seen a few companies in our space grow pretty quick and had a lot of you know, adoption into their product and has gone enterprise and continuing to go up market that you know, at the bottom and mid end of the market, there's no one that owns that yet. So when we look at a, 
a, a CRM company with Salesforce and other big players in the space, you know, there's their enterprise players, there's definitely your SMB, and then there's, you know, definitely the small business market. And there's a hundred of those companies. There's nowhere near a hundred products within our space yet. And there could be a lot more. Um, so I see, you know, a lot of gaps with, you know, who's really owns the enterprise right now. Okay. Maybe there's, you know, one or two players that are kind of there, but you know, there's a clear leader probably. Um, in the mid market, I see it very well open, and same with the with, with the, the, the lower end market. And when I mean lower, I mean the, the you know maybe one to ten users, um, or the small business is still is still open for for a lot of people to grab that market and go in there and, and you know build a product that owns that market. So when I look at it, I really break it out into two different types of categories. I break it out into you know are you an application that I just send emails from because that will you know, you'll, you'll buy that product for, you know, for $25 a month, eventually. And there are some companies out there already. Or are you going to invest in your, in a platform that my sales team, or even my one salesperson, I want to spend the 50 or $80 a month to make that person be productive to earn, you know, 10 times that for me. So I still see, you know, the platform and then the application side of the business. And a lot of companies kind of jockeying in between there. Um, to see where they're, you know, where they're going to land in this space, because the competition, there's, there's lots of us out there. You know, we get into a deal and we talk about, you know, there's five competitors in there sometimes. Um, so, you know, it comes down to not just product, not just positioning, but, you know, the company as a whole too, and how, how you surround yourself with that client and how you sell them and how you market to them. And, you know, that's how the, that's the difference between a company who usually, you know, builds a bigger company than anyone else. It's not always the product. It's a lot of other things that go around that too. So the, the big classification between app and platform, you see companies in the space offering more features, benefits. I mean, Drift started doing email and intercom started going after the sales enablement side of things and automation on the email side of things. There are companies that are leading the way and we all know them and, and you've mentioned a lot of them already that are platforms. And then there are the apps, the simple uh, just dinky, you know, I use it for this one use case and I don't anticipate them ever being anything more than that. And, um, and that is the big differentiator, both on price and both on longevity. You know, the best example for everybody is, is NetSuite. NetSuite sold to Oracle for a lot of money. NetSuite was the only product in the market. And I worked at NetSuite. I, I, that's where I, like, you know, that's where I busted my chops and I learned how to sell. And I learned from some great salespeople there. And never mind, some great VPs that worked at Oracle for 10 years before that, that passed all that experience down onto me. And the one thing that we learned was that, you know, we're an application. We're not, oh, sorry, we're, 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 NetSuite was a platform, not an application. NetSuite was the only company that brought in e-commerce for your website, accounting and CRM, and your billing in one system with one click of a button from, from quote to cash. With a click of a button, it was done. No system on the planet did that. That's why NetSuite built a great company, a big company that sold for a lot of money because they were the only one that built a platform to run your entire business on. So there's a lot of battling in our space between the sales forces of the world and the CRM and the, you know, replies and, uh, you know, the, the other competitors that we have in our space. And, you know, the, the question comes down to, and this is probably a good way to end off is, you know, if you're a salesperson if you're a VP of sales or a manager or, or, or a sole entrepreneur and you're figuring out like, where, where do I heat my business in? Is it, 
Do I focus more on the CRM side? Do I focus more? Well, the answer is, you know, it's both. You just have to figure out how to marry that. Um, so, you know, we're still figuring that out as a, as a whole because there's a lot of companies in our space with it say, hey, you don't need to use your CRM. And then there's other ones that are like, yeah, we, we love you and we work together and, you know, this is how this is how we'll move forward together. So a lot of jockeying still and figuring out where we're going to go. All great advice, Lee. Let's end with one more call to action, program, any of that. Go ahead and say that now. I would say that it doesn't matter where you are in your business. A product like ours is a necessity. You know, it's just like if you don't have a cell phone, you need one because you need to make a call and pick up the phone sometimes because it works. Um, you need a product like Reply. Even if you don't buy Reply, please go buy a product like Reply. Okay, you, you, you should have it in your stack. At the end of the day, it's going to make you revenue. It's going to save you a lot of time. Nobody ever wakes up and is like, I want to send 50 emails to my target accounts today. Never mind sending an email. You have a lot of workflows in your business. Automate those workflows. Like, are you still sending manual email when someone like, let's say, cancels your product? Or what happens when you onboard a customer? Like, you can use all that within Reply and other products like Reply. So use them because they're going to help you automate your business, not just for cold email. It could be for an inbound lead. It could be for a canceled customer. It could be for anything. So our, these systems that are here today are not just to send a cold email. It's to automate communication. That's the bottom line. So don't waste any time. Get it learn how to use it, be effective with it because it's going to help you make money and it's going to help you save a lot of time. Automate communication, get the tools that you need to do so to better customer experience. That's what we do. That's what this podcast is about. That's what Lee lives for today. And we're all excited about the future. So thanks again to Lee Gladish of reply.io for joining us, Lee. You have a great rest of the week and tremendous thanks for the time today. You gave me more than we anticipated, but I believe everybody's going to be very excited to listen to every minute of it. Alex, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to work with you. Thanks and all the best of success. All right, Lee. Have a good one. Take care.